This podcast is brought to you by 411 Fightwear, an e-commerce platform that's redefining the local fightwear industry. You can check them out at 411fightwear.com and also on Instagram at 411fightwear. That's 411fightwear. Welcome back to Leverage Radio. Today we are in conversation with Vaughn Brian Saxena. He's the founder of Desi Beatdown, the platform for the promotion of combat and MMA talent at a local and national level. He has been on the pulse of the MMA circuit in India for many years. Vaughn, thanks for doing this, man. How's it going? How good, guys. How are you? Not too bad, man. Just uh, finished the training session, so... Kind of tired, so if you can hear it in my voice, I apologize. <laughs> How are you doing? Mohit loses an average of three kilos per training session. Yeah, and I put those nuts. on. It's fucking nuts. nuts. <laughs> Just getting old. How's, How's the lockdown going for you, man? Well, I guess uh, as good as these hard times can be. <laughs> Nothing much, man. Just uh, sitting around fucking procrastinating about (laughs) (laughs) all the plans that I had for this uh, summer, really. So tell us, tell us about, um, just to, wait, yeah, go ahead. What plans do you have? (laughs) (laughs) No plan, Ravin. That's what I was going to ask you. What's happening with Desi Beatdown? How did you get started with Desi Beatdown? Those that don't know and are listening. Um, so, um, Desi Beatdown, uh, I started a YouTube channel back in 2015, which was essentially I made the channel to kind of put my documentary film out. The film was called, uh, it's called MMA India Fighting for a Dream. And um, I guess it was the first film that really kind of talked about the uh, Indian MMA scene, a documentary film. So once uh, I had screened that film out and... Uh, this is the to... film with basically uh, Dan Isaac and the guys. Yeah, well, Dan's definitely in it. And, Dan's uh, got a big feature in it, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I also did uh, visit Warriors Cove and, you know, talked a little bit about the jiu-jitsu scene with uh, Jackie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's when I met uh, you guys for the first time training out at Warriors Cove. So... Um, Damn, that's a long time ago, man. <laughs> when was this? 2012, uh, 13? So, yeah, I, I started working on the film um, uh, in 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, initially, I thought that I'd get over with the film rather quickly, like <laughs> three months type. But like, pura saal lag gaya, well, actually, uh, you know, kind of really iron out the film. And it ended up being like a 90-minute film, which... Uh, I had originally thought would be like a 30, 45 minute film. But once I kind of jumped into that rabbit hole, it was, <laughs> that was just like, no way to stop. Yeah. 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 So, so I released the film, uh, in 2000, April, 2014. And, uh, I had planned to send it out to a bunch of, uh, film festivals once I was done with the premiere screening and, um, <clears throat> Once that festival circuit kind of got over, 
is when I put it out on YouTube for everyone. And uh, that's basically where Desi Beatdown kind of started from. And uh, I mean, you've done a very hard job, which a lot of people would not have done, which is speaking to people with, who think they're fighters, but are not quite <laughs> there yet. So um, how does that work, man? How do, you, uh, how do you put up with the egos you have to deal with? Um, I mean, like, uh, with the experience of the, uh, from the film, I don't think uh, there, were all, there was not much ego when it came to that. I mean, everybody wanted to represent. Everybody was nice enough uh, to speak with. Um, so I had initially uh, thought that I would get funded for this film. So in like once 2012 uh, Superfight League happened and uh, I was already doing documentary films for a long time for like about six years. And uh, I said, Ki, okay, let's, let's try and do an independent work on the MMA circuit in India. And um, then I just started researching. And uh, first I was looking for funding for the film from the usual documentary uh, channels, so to say. Um, but that didn't quite work out because uh, they have that. What does is, what is, what funding look like for a film like that? I mean, just a ballpark figure, if you would like to share with us. Um, because I have no clue. And I'm very curious. <laughs> okay, so the... The documentary, so the documentary circuit that I was familiar with was um, mostly government funded, right? So I've been working on documentary films since 2006. Um, yeah. And uh, I work with many, many, many filmmakers, directors, sometimes uh, doing the camera work for films or sometimes working on post-production. So I had a fair idea of how these guys were kind of uh, going about getting their funding. And um, I was looking for funding from uh, an agency called the Public Service Broadcasting Trusts, PSBT, which functions under Prasar Bharti. And uh, they fund something like 30, 30 to 40 films a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I had already kind of proposed films to them earlier on different subjects. So I knew how that kind of uh, that circuit worked. So when I had the idea about doing a film about MMA, uh, I sent them a proposal and, you know, in a year they received something like, I don't know, ballpark 5,000 proposals At from least. all over the country. Yeah. And um, then out of those 5,000, they kind of narrow that down to around 250, which is called second round of proposals. So I kind of got into that second round of proposals of 250, where you have to now explain uh, like a shooting plan, and uh, how you're going to go about, you know, uh, making this film. So well, I wasn't very hopeful because I had tried this circuit before. Uh, and I had already kind of decided to the back of my head that if you don't get funding, I'm just going to go at it independently. So as far as the uh, film proposal went, I had uh, kind of budgeted out for something like two weeks of shooting for this. <laughs> All right, uh, which uh, which uh, in a budget uh, kind of breaks down to like your equipment rentals, um, the other assistants and personnel which will be working with you, and uh, then finally into post production. But uh, obviously, I didn't have the funds myself to once I once I decided to go at it independently. 
but I said like Tabi, uh, I didn't have any equipment of my own. But uh, once my proposal didn't go through with the with the funders, then I said, okay, let's try and do this. And uh, bro, I ran out of my savings in like fucking ten days, man. <laughs> <laughs> I went did a bunch of shoots and uh, I, I ran out of like uh, you know what I had kind of saved up for. Uh, uh, most of what I had saved up for this, basically. But, As for the uh, film, sorry, finish. Yeah, for the film, for for the thirty-minute film. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but in the process, I had uh, managed to get a very interesting interview with uh, Sushil Kumar, the wrestler. Uh, the wrestler, yeah, and he yes. was just coming off his um, Olympic, Olympic uh, silver medal right. from Beijing in uh, two thousand and twelve. Yes. Right, so, right. Oh so, yeah, he was. He was quite the star then, you know. He was like the um, the poster, poster boy, you could say. say. Yeah, man, poster boy. He was he was the brand ambassador for Mountain Dew, and mm-hmm. uh, he was riding that wave high. So I was lucky enough to get that interview from him, and and uh, interestingly, he he knew quite a bit about <laughs> about mixed martial arts. In fact, uh, even in the film, he talks about how the UFC had uh, approached him back in 2012 to uh, start training MMA and, uh, you know, transition to MMA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel that that was the time for him. Like he was not even 30 at the time. And I feel that if, if he had actually made the transition that then he could have uh, probably been. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, do, do you get any mileage out of that film finally? Um, well, actually, it's quite funny. I, I didn't expect much mileage out of it. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to get a screening slot here at the, um, the India Habitat Center in Delhi. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Habitat Center um, every day has uh, a bunch of programs which are going on over there. Right. So it might have like photography exhibitions or art gallery or, you know, and a bunch of films which are screening. So I put my poster up, I got the slot, I put my poster up at Habitat Center for like uh, a week. And uh, I think I had invited something like maybe 50, 60 people there. Hmm. <laughs> Normally. And uh, I thought Zaza Zaza, like, he was like, solo, ho jayenge, you know, good enough screening. But uh, surprisingly, uh, I had like over 350 people at the screening. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, this, this ended up being a really long film. Right? It was 90 minutes. Scheduled so, for 30. And... And... I mean, Karte karte ho gaya, yaar. Like, you know, by the, time, <laughs> by the time I had gathered the material, you know, a year had gone by and I, you know, was still like, oh, abhi bhi iska second interview la, ja ke oh, I can feature it. You know, so I was like, I had to stop myself. Like, okay, stop. Now you have enough material. <laughs> Sit down and like start compiling this shit. So right. uh, I had my co-writer for the film, Anand, uh, he, he, him and I, we kind of put together this voiceover, this script. Uh, and uh, kind of condensed it down to like 87 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And this uh, is available on, on YouTube, YouTube right now for people to watch. Yes, absolutely. This is. Uh, it's called uh, MMA India Fighting for a Dream. Fighting for a Dream. Uh, it's on on Desi Beatdown's YouTube channel. Yeah, man. Awesome. Uh, I hope we can get some traction for it again, yeah. man. Like a few years yeah. down the line, that'll be cool. That will be. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of the things uh, in the film still still hold true. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, the scene. Fortunately or unfortunately? I mean, both things are. Like, uh, 
see unfortunately for the for the scene um when i released the film uh in 2014 uh a few months or a month after i released the film superfight league which was one of the major features in the film superfight league went under i mean like they stopped their programs mm-hmm. so that kind of sucked because i thought uh you know it was going up when i got up to bollywood maybe you know there's like pmma right <laughs> there was uh i don't know that akshay kumar film i can't remember the there name. were a couple there were a couple yeah, there were a couple of them so i said okay fine this is becoming more mainstream than i had expected and great you know was wow, it brothers yeah that's right so brothers <laughs> which is based on <laughs> which is based on warrior yeah, yeah it's, it's based, based on warrior but yeah 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 uh, it's brothers well, i think they had a, a link up with uh, i think the american production house or the company is lionsgate mm-hmm. right. yeah, yeah yeah they just took the right. Right. it was an incredible movie man <laughs> yeah brian callen tom hardy <laughs> brian callen <laughs> yeah, brian callen's commentator i was yeah yeah brian callen plays joe rogan in that basic no yeah <laughs> yeah so uh one speaking of sfl man what's happening with that now um so sfl uh, right now is yep. uh, i don't i mean like they're inactive right now um okay. the the management kind of uh, focused a little more on the boxing league so <clears throat> super fight promotion yeah, fight bill dosanj was amir khan's manager correct uh yeah 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 so um the last season of super fight league was um 2018 mm-hmm. and uh the last season of super boxing league in india was 2017 so they really wanted to come back with the uh, with the boxing, boxing promotion uh, that's a lot more commercially viable in india you know what is it cuz it's more fan friendly more punching um is that just thinking people people can relate to that a lot more uh, than uh, than mma uh, no as people understand boxing more than they do mma it's it yeah yeah i mean it's it's a more familiar sport and second right. like season 1 ke baad kuch hua nahi tha so they said like let's try and push the the boxing and um, they got a pretty good deal out there in uh, in saudi actually mm-hmm. so i don't know if you guys uh, watched it but 2019 super boxing league did an event in uh, in saudi which was uh, amir khan versus billy dib um yeah so then see but but i think that's also that's part also of the part problem, of the problem with, with uh, you know the combat sports in the country is that there's a lot of events happening and you just don't know about them yeah so marketing and advertising around this is like a major major factor mm-hmm. i mean like when super fight league comes on they have like a massive promotional budget which goes along with the league you know so that's how you know you get people to tune in and over the two seasons they've tried a lot of strategies they they moved the league from uh, a sports channel which was ESPN uh in season 2 they went to NBD hmm. so i i think uh, MTV uh, felt like it was closer to the demographic yeah, kind of hit TV <clears throat> sort of 18 to 35 males hmm. uh casual fans and you know uh and yeah in a way it, it was good for them um but i think the most important thing is the consistency you know that 
ek baar leak khatam ho jaye then you know there should still be some sort of programming around mixed martial arts which which goes on for the rest of the year mm-hmm. so um, yeah and and i guess uh, in a way that's where all these other promotions come in and uh, it's and, great and i guess that's what mfn is doing as well like trying to bridge that gap because to be fair they are pretty regular, pretty regular with, their, with their events and even on social and stuff like that promoting their events yeah 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 for sure man uh, mfn's doing an excellent job and it's the it's the real mma format it's that uh, format that we're all used to fight nights um mm. and i think uh, the more fight nights that they can churn out right now i think they're doing one every 3 months mm-hmm. uh, but if you can make that like a monthly thing i think that'll be that'll be fucking amazing for the scene are there that many fighters to make uh, that's my next question like like um uh, some of these guys have very quick turnarounds and they take some serious damage in their fights i mean well, you know a lot, a lot of them don't, don't though. Though. Like, a lot of them don't a lot of a lot of these fights are just staring at each other so, <laughs> just one dude dude you know bulldozing his way forward that ashwin cuz you know i i would say in sfl season 2 there there were maybe like five less than 10 fights which actually went to decision okay not yeah like five six fights went to the decision everything was like a first or a second round finish but uh, that also i could attribute to one fight and not knowing how to fight at all <laughs> uh well there is definitely a skill difference um i mean if you look at the sfl they have um so in a season they'll have like 90s essentially 96 fighters uh yeah eight teams right eight teams aapke che fighter hai che back something like that like basically it's a team format right so there's a lot of people so mother of god so that thing goes on for a whole season like three so months so basically they try to do what pro kabaddi league did yeah pretty much man i mean right yeah so in 2017 like there were and even now there's like a ton of leagues out there right you got your kabaddi of volleyball badminton badminton table tennis tennis table tennis and uh it's it's uh, just a more viable commercial option uh it is you're right it's a accepted format uh for the indian viewers for the audience mm-hmm. you know they can but in a way it's good in a way it's bad um uh, it's bad cuz you know we don't get to really relate to the, the fighters. fighters yeah exactly you don't get to promote them as much as you'd like cuz there's no build up yeah. yeah there's no build up uh, but i feel it's it's extremely bad because you shouldn't have these guys fighting so often most of all <laughs> yeah, for sure no that's that's what the backups are there for bro so if if you take serious damage in a fight then you don't fight the the, the yeah, following week uh, but that's the thing I, like uh who's assessing bad. who's assessing these guys So um the sanctioning body for uh, super fight league is IMA right so uh, IMA doctors have to give the go ahead before the guy is allowed to get right. back in the cage i would think and, and sometimes uh, guys have uh, pretty serious injuries and uh, they don't continue for the rest of the season right sometimes uh, people come out with no injury at all i mean i like coming coming back to the skill difference what you were talking about so yeah so there's like <clears throat> 90 odd fighters in total unme se we'll have something like 35 international fighters 
So sure. that's where you see like, you know, uh, that's where the skill difference is. Because right. if you look at uh, something like, I would say the weakest divisions are uh, the women and the light heavyweights. Right. Uh, if you look at the team rosters, most of the foreign players are being fielded in these two divisions. Mm-hmm. Now, to give you an example of uh, the heavyweight division, they're like serious jiu-jitsu black belts mm-hmm. from Brazil. And they're going up. <clears throat> but, but one grapple. All they want to do is grapple, bro. They, they have, they got, I mean, like compared to some of our Indian fighters, they don't have mm. the, the stand-up capability, right? Uh, so, and they don't want to take any damage, right? Because they want, mm. they want to fight week after week after week. So that it improves their record. They get more money. So how do you fight uh, without taking any damage? You go straight for the clinch. You take the guy where he doesn't know <laughs> anything. And right. uh, go for submission. So yeah, that's what most of the foreign fighters do. Uh, but our guys have. I mean, got that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but our guys have got like some of them got like excellent, <clears throat> excellent stand-up. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of. Can you guys, uh, name a few? Well, Babaji is uh, definitely a name that comes to mind. Uh, okay. I remember. I remember a fight um, that uh, Baba had uh, with this American guy from Dennis Hallman's team back in season one, a guy called Clint. Um, Babaji Chaudhary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Babajit is like a very well-decorated kickboxer Muay Thai guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so when this fight happened in, uh, in the welterweights, this guy could... The, the American guy took two leg kicks and then he wanted nothing to do with the stand-up. He like dove onto Babaji's right. Mm-hmm. right? And Babaji tried to like back up and he was holding onto his ankles, like literally slithering across the cage. Like, I don't want to fucking stand back stand up, up with you. Yeah. yeah. And it's still what Damien Maya. <laughs> but once he got to the end, uh, end of the cage, then uh, he got into the clinch, took Baba down right. and oh, triangle yeah. took yeah. there. So... So, yeah, I mean, that, that's where the, the difference in level is, man. I think uh, guys got to have enough incentive to train their ground game a lot more to, uh, to have uh, any sort of chance with these foreign fighters right now. I or, mean, you think these guys had watched UFC 1, <laughs> 2, or 3, or 4, hello, or 5? Hello, no. I didn't watch UFC 1 till like yeah, 2009, bro. Really? <laughs> I watched it with you guys in Tithan in 2014. Oh, shit. Yeah, I only started training. I've been training one or two years there. No, but uh, what troubles me is that these guys are still not putting the time into the ground game. No, but like, that's, that's where the incentive comes in, right? The more competition, uh, because these are pro fighters, right? So they got to be paid to put in, put time, in time to do, to do something. something. Yeah. I mean, um, a lot of them, like I said, are well-decorated fighters representing India uh, on the international level in boxing or kickboxing, kickboxing or sanda or wushu. And what, like, like, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but what I've also seen is exactly this. Because striking is a little bit more dynamic, a little easier, guys can tend to gravitate towards it. Um, it's also the exposure, right? So, I mean, like, if you look at the 
martial arts scene in general in india mm-hmm. uh, it's these um, world level uh, yeah, olympic, exactly olympic sports or asian game sports that uh, people are incentivized to play you know so and maybe they could be you know guys who medal for india in say bushu sanda or something they are like heavily incentivized by the government you know so everybody is kind of aspiring for that uh mm. that sport you know i get like a gold medal or a silver medal in bushu for india in the world championships mm. then yeah, two lakh rupees will come back everyone there is no your name fucking give me a job in the police exactly yeah. a lot more than 2 lakhs i think uh, some of them like land they get their own academies so mm. yeah I mean that kind of brings me back to what Sushil Kumar was telling me back uh, when I was shooting uh, my film. I was like, "So, why do you not want to go?" Like, you know, he had that whole thing like, "That now I have to change my medal color, change for the country, you know, the uh, the patriotic." Olympic? No, I mean a silver medalist, so I understand. Yeah, yeah, but then he was also realistic about it, saying that um, you know, surprisingly, he knew who. knew about Joel Romero uh Joel had <clears throat> not had a fight in the UFC yet right so he was like ek wo hai kuba ka abhi abhi khel raha hai wahan pe you romero romero i was like yeah okay great that time right romero had made his ufc debut but um, but what he said was that you know guys who are like olympic backups or uh, the international team backups Hmm. Uh, who are not like ranked in say the top ten, hmm. they can actually move to MMA as pro fighters. Because there's very little chance that those guys are actually going to make, you know, that that Olympic uh, Olympic team. So hmm. might as well do it now. Uh, you know, but- yeah, that makes sense. You know what really bothers me is that the, our country promotes martial arts like wushu. and uh, these guys okay great you're good at a martial art but um it's slightly effective in the cage but there are way more martial arts that you should be paying attention to and they just can't let go of their traditional wushu and okarate and they can't make the transition effectively so that's something that really gets to me nowadays it ends up working up in the cage Like some dude throw something flashy. Shut the fuck up, man. No, no, no. You go up against a good grapple. What the fuck will happen? I know, I know, I know. So, okay, right. So, Wushu, you score your points from your strikes, yeah. and um, you get a point for a throw, right? So, if yeah. you ever watch uh, Wushu Sanda bout, mm. they love their head and arm throws, right? Yeah, yeah. Hip tosses. hip toss they go for that fucking headlock and basically toss. what gets your back taken in a heartbeat <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's why you see that so often right if you look at the girls division uh they get thrown like this and the one just got thrown is basically on your back no and then you have somebody who has half decent ability to get an underhook and an overhook and get to your back um you're going to lose to them so uh, i don't understand why this transition even today is not being made from bushu to I wouldn't say Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'd say to grappling. Um, yeah. Um, so, see, I, just looking at the SFL fighters, most of them come to train their grappling just before the season gets on. The rest of the year, <laughs> they're not training any grappling. Right. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I've gone to like 
a ton of training camps when these guys are preparing for fights. And uh, they've got, none of them have like accomplished or even like half decent guys who to grapple with, right? Most of the time they're, they're practicing their takedown defense. Like somebody's going to try to grab onto their legs and they're going to try and sprawl. That and, and then, then from, from the, the top, top position, position, it's practicing ground no, and pound. You, have you watched you watch Choke, right, Juan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you remember that guy, that American guy who was uh, going to fight Hicks and Gracie and he had a very outspoken coach. I forget his actual name. Um, but there is a guy like that who just practices sprawling and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. hammer fists and elbows. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so that's the gist of what these guys practice before the league starts. And yeah. I've actually, I've had to work with the Haryana Sultan guys and these guys come in. These guys, dude, I was asked to corner them. I, I remember I was shooting cage side and then I kind of looked at the corner because I like take shots from behind the cornerman and there was Ashwin standing <laughs> in the orange Haryana Sultan's jersey and I was like, <laughs> Bro, I was asked to corner them with like two days, on two days notice. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to tell your guy? The guy comes into the gym, he hits the bag for 45 minutes. And he thinks he's ready for a professional mixed martial arts fight. What the fuck can I... What am I going to say to this guy? Sprawl? <laughs> <laughs> There's mean, nothing... I, I think now uh, that, uh, you know, a uh, fair amount of time has gone by, like, Super Fight League first started in 2012. So I think we can break down the guys into, like, the uh, old school guys and now the new generation of fighters, which... Uh, kind of so losers and winners. Sorry, losers and winners. Losers and winners. <laughs> <laughs> losers and winners. It's like guys who who are not uh, that rigid in you know. He, I'm, I'm not gonna. They they tra- they're training MMA as like MMA as like real, MMA, real yeah. MMA, not just we did, yeah, some, did some karate and, and now, now we, we can, can transition. transition. Yeah, yeah. So. I think uh, there's this whole bunch of uh, new, new school of MMA fighters, which uh, which are uh, more more well-rounded, so to say, guys like Kantaraj, you know, um, and I think that's where the amateur MMA scene comes in. You know, there wasn't so much uh, of the amateur MMA competition which was uh, going on back then, right? Yeah, um, it was uh, very low-key stuff what uh, Dan and all were doing back then uh, before the SFL, stuff like gym wars and things. Um, but once the SFL scene came on and then Ima took the initiative to do these state championships and national championships and I've been, uh, you know, I've been affiliated with Ima as a partner covering these amateur championships and definitely one can see that uh, the new guys, the, the level is definitely going up since the last five or six years. Yeah. Are you on an exclusive contact with these guys, with Aima? Uh, no, no. It's not exclusive, but uh, I like working with them. I think mm-hmm. uh, they are the uh, premier body in the country, so to say, uh, with the most amount of experience. And uh, yeah, we've had a good relationship so far. So far. Yeah, so we had Dan on what a week and a half ago? Not ten days, yeah. Yeah, dude. Super smart guy. Yeah, um, yeah. and I love talking to him and um, um 
I did speak to him regarding the BJJ and we're looking to get some uh, for the judges and the referees. So we're looking to get them into some stuff and get them educated on that front. Um, so yeah, really interesting stuff they're doing. Definitely, there needs to be uh, lots of work on the uh, judging and uh, and refing front. I mean, um, I guess like uh, Dan might have told you about, you know, Aima had uh, some problems after the uh, yeah. first. Yeah, so, you know, guys who, who took that experience from Aima and then kind of moved away. They you know, don't they behind their back almost. Who, one second. Uh, now that you brought this up, I had a name in mind that I'm not sure was the backstabber or no. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Juan. I don't know. Uh, we don't need that's, that's, that's between Aima. You know any names? No, no, I, because I remember one guy used to be associated with them and then I saw him being associated with either SJJIF or GFI. I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, this guy called Gurwan Singh Ladi. Oh, the uh, IBJJF gold medalist. Gold medalist, bro. Where? He won a gold with nobody else in his bracket. Can oh, you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting one. Yeah, Legit. Too legit to quit. So this gentleman is. Uh, I don't think he was with Aima though. Uh, I never met him personally. Never. Uh, he's yeah. Like, so I I met this guy and he was he introduced himself to me as a double IBJJF gold medalist. Um, I didn't have the heart to uh, explain to him what that meant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get into that any any deeper. What belt? He's a blue belt. Oh. Yeah, he's a blue belt. Oh. Also, he's a blue belt under the same gym you trained at. Uh, in Maha. no, yeah, the fucking gym in Phuket, where everybody goes and gets their blue belts. Phuket top team. Yeah, where this guy just apparently throws blue belts at people. Yeah, if you're good. I mean, no, I've seen this guy train. He's not good. Okay, then maybe not. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, Professor Olavo, mm-hmm. yeah, he's been, I think, duped into giving these guys blue this belting, huh? Yeah, it's it's a fucking joke, man. There's a whole group of Indian you know, guys you know what's happening. who go to forget to train with Olavo and they get uh, on their fast track blue belt program and they come back. Yeah, but you got to go there for three months. Like, it's not like you go there okay. and they, Bro, they you gotta give them money, Mohit. That's all that matters. Let's not fool ourselves. Can I get a private lesson, please? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the, the best, best way to get your blue belt. Just take, keep taking privates. Eventually, the guy will feel bad for you, and then there's your belt. There you go. <laughs> oh, this guy is BJJ Federation India. Yeah. He's the general secretary of BJJ FI. So, how many of these bodies' uh, competitions have you guys kind of taken part in? Bro, I, I am that. firstly, I am a national champ, okay? I know, bro. Uh, <laughs> again, air quotes, air quotes, air quotes. I don't know how many different national championships I have under which federations and what it's worth. It's worth shit, nothing. Um, <laughs> just to put that out there. Uh, but yeah, we've done SJJF. He's done GFI. What else? Asian. Asian Open, which is again GFI. I don't know how that works. Uh, so, yeah. Um, 
I have unlimited medals, but <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how it works exactly. Uh, which is the made-up uh, federation by Karatekas. Yeah, I I think um, that's that's the main thing. That's the main takeaway from this. That you know, like I said, um, our guys. Uh, since since we have, since we since India hosted the Asian Games back in like the 80s, these are the martial arts that uh, most people have been associated with through many many federations, right? And uh, once they found that you know the jiu-jitsu scene worldwide was kind of growing, people tried to get on that bandwagon, and uh, thus you see so many different federations. Somebody's got their uh, head federation somewhere in Eastern Europe. Someone's got it in fucking Japan. Um, and uh, yeah, that's why you have these ton of federations and their championships every year, man. Everyone's but, I think everyone's just trying but, to legitimize it, man. Like everyone's oh, trying man, in their own, just, in their own way. The, they're living that dojo life, bro. I am spending my life. Sell out a little bit. Come on. I will not sell out, motherfucker. These fucking guys come in and fucking call themselves Brazilian Jiu experts. And it really gets my code for me. And that's. Sad part is that, you know, guys who train under them will go and represent India, you know, carry the fucking banner out somewhere in, in internationally and uh, then just get mauled out there. And then that kind of... Can you imagine that like uh, if I was running a gym in anywhere in the world and one of these guys came and said, okay, I'm a blue bird and then you proceed to train with them, you're representing an entire nation. So it doesn't look good on me, Mohit. God, Mon. This side, yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene. How how's Tom doing? Your brother. Tom's good, bro. I'm I'm using his Zoom call because like I've never used a Zoom call before. You know, I noticed. He's, he's been taking his uh, uh, fitness classes and stuff on Zoom. So yeah, he's doing good, man. That's so he's hustling, man. I've been seeing. He had a gym in Vasant Kunj, right? Uh, so he he used to work for. Uh, Reebok back to basics, which became cult. So he, he, he's like a, a CrossFit trainer. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. He, also he also competed at the ADCC. He did, yeah. Tournament. Yeah, he, he did all right, man. He got a few, I think he got two, two subs. Yeah, he did. Um, <clears throat> actually, he's the one who got me into the whole MMA scene, bro. Like, you know. Yeah, so he, how did this come about? He was, uh, when he was doing his college in Bombay, this is 2008, or something and then uh, I I never watched the UFC back then right so he used to come back and he used to have these events downloaded on his mm-hmm. hard disk and I just copy them and uh, that's how I kind of got addicted to UFC just mm-hmm. just watching these events yeah so uh, so yeah he, he he kind of introduced me to it <laughs> Tom is one of the first I think he's the only guy to cross train at cross train and warriors coach. I have done that too, by the way. No, but you left cross train, so it doesn't count. Tom's still doing both. Yeah, when was the last time Tom, Tom came, came into, into the gym? Tom, you, like, oh. Tom, uh, when we were open, you fuck, he used to come for morning classes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. I yeah, know. he used to come to you guys first. Uh, and I wasn't there for morning classes. Uh, he was thinking about taking it pretty seriously. Yeah. He actually moved to Dubai 
to train at Team Logan. He tore his fucking ACL, I remember, right? Yeah, not tore, man. Like it snapped, uh, like two ligaments. So he okay. kind of fucked himself up over there in Dubai. I remember speaking to him after that. Yeah. Yeah. So he, after that, he got into the whole fitness thing. Kind of nursed his leg back. Yeah, I remember that he was doing a lot of physio at home and posting about it. It was it was good to see like that. No, but Tom was teaching also somewhere for a bit. That was at the cross place. Like yeah, he was taking some BJJ classes. I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very recent now. Yeah, I'm talking about a while back. Like you know, did Tom get his blue belt yet? No, bro. I mean, uh, he he didn't. (laughs) Basically. uh, He he was training for competition um, in uh, in Dubai when he uh, I think he had maybe two stripes and then he fucked this this big guy was trying to pass his guard he was trying to recover and it snapped I think yeah that's what he told yeah. me and uh, and then after that he was off it for a couple of years man and uh, his last uh, ADCC was when you know he thought he'd start training make a comeback make a comeback yeah so I think he now I think he's quite fit and he's gonna you know, try and carry on once things kind of ease up, open up and yeah. What so, about your training scene? You used to also train with the cross-train guys back in the day, I think. <laughs> yeah, back in the day is the key phrase here, my friend. <laughs> 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 yeah, bro. It's, uh, it's been over two years, man. Um, I was quite regular. I uh, trained for about three years. Nice. <clears throat> or a little less than three years. Um, or uh, I think it was... Um, just before the last season of the Super Fight League, like 2018, um, then end of 2017, I started going out for these uh, trials and stuff to SFL trials to shoot them. And yeah. that, you know, I just didn't have the time to train regularly and I kind of got off it. And at that time, I was telling myself, Ki, you know, oh, it's cool, man. I'll be SFL will start and then I'll be there, you know, in advance. And they're going to be all these black belts from fucking Brazil. And, you know, I'll just roll with them. And, you know, <laughs> my skills going, bro. Fuck, man. That, that season was like hard work, bro. I fucking barely slept. Uh, basically, <laughs> I have flashbacks. <laughs> PTSD. You got PTSD. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, basically, in season two, we we kind of uh, turned up the uh, content pieces. We were churning out so much fucking content that. How know, long was your day? Today, Dude, I can't. <laughs> it, was, it was insane, bro. Um, I, I was our hotel was in town, like, uh, and uh, I used this to. Was short in Delhi? Delhi? No, no. This Super Fight League season two was in Bombay, yeah. Okay. So the arena was. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Bombay, but like Mahalakshmi, and uh, from there we used to go to, uh, you know, where the management was staying and then planned for the next day and I would get back and barely have like maybe three, four hours of sleep, not even. And uh, then we'll be up <laughs> working uh, the next round of, you know, content pieces. But in a way it was great, man. You know, it was good to put out so much of uh, content and uh, the team, the team up with MTV, I think uh, really worked well while the season was still on. Like I said, it's just a matter of consistency, you know, like, once uh, once the season gets over, you know, you should have like enough programming around mixed martial arts to yeah. uh, you know, keep people tuned into it. Yeah. And how many people in your team or is it just you handling? 
no it'd be impossible oh, sure. it was it was just <laughs> yeah. uh i i do work solo sometimes uh with uh, with the amateur tournaments mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah of course with uh, with super fight league and now with uh, mfn i have a team of uh, uh, five or six people always yeah and what's the main difference in working with sfl versus mfn for you the you know behind the scenes production team because the mfn production quality is pretty fucking high uh production production quality as in the event ad event and all the pro stuff that happens before and after the events thank you thank you cheers so i mean for me it's not much of a difference in fact it's it's uh it's a lot of familiar stuff it's a lot of uh, you know a lot of the same fighters uh with uh, alan out there it's great to have somebody who's uh, overlooking the whole thing who understands what we're trying to do so uh yeah for me for me it's great man working uh working with mfn uh and uh, you know doing their content and stuff now uh with Go sfl the yeah. only thing was you know um with mfn there's like a build up period of say about 20 25 days right because the events yeah. are <clears throat> uh spread out with the sfl it's like super hectic because your fight nights are friday saturday sunday okay. so basically uh look at it like this okay sunday night we'll finish one event okay we are coming back and uh, my editors already started kind of sorting the footage for the highlights which go on monday at 12 o'clock right, right? he's working on that this would be so from the friday, friday clips. clips from the sunday clips bro oh, friday clips so friday raat ko hi kaam karna hai oh, saturday clips ko saturday raat ko kaam karna hai kyunki Dude, i just have to edit this podcast and i fucking hate it let's <laughs> 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 not be doing this so and uh, with the sfl we had apart from that we had like training videos uh, captains profiles some key fighters profiles and shit which had to be made we had <laughs> we were doing this uh, talk show because uh, super fight league had a partnership with facebook so we had this facebook live we shot at the facebook studios every i think it was a wednesday yeah so we had to prepare for that on a tuesday get it ready wednesday we're shooting that and it's going live and uh yeah man that was just like a fucking ton of content and before you know it you're on fight day again which right. is <laughs> which is friday so yeah that, it was hectic uh, but it lasts uh, just 6 weeks so yeah you put uh, it and how long does the show come out for so 6 weeks is production and everything and then the show released over how how long it is no it's all live bro it's live it's live oh god damn it's all live man Oh shit. Uh, so like, dude, over the years, Juan, you must have picked up some shit that has never aired. <laughs> oh Jesus. I, <laughs> I mean, I wish I could show you just lying next to my laptop here I have these these bottles of steroids everybody oh, that cannot <laughs> see. <laughs> oh, terabytes. Okay, and I have like a bunch of them in my cupboard. I mean, I have I have so much footage that I mean you shot the first two leverage uh I did house tournament well. yeah, yeah 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 it was fun man good fun in fact I mean, we're planning guys, on now doing the, a fight you guys, night you guys turn the bloody fans off inside your gym when you do it that's fucking horrible oh, we make it torturous yeah yeah, yeah. we make it 
as bad as we can. Sub only. The thing is, our guys are used to uh, training in that environment. So we give them the competitive edge. <laughs> home field. <laughs> no, but we're actually organizing the eight-man tournament now, uh, which is going to be shot at a location. Uh, and it's going to be done very professional, professionally where we're looking after these guys. And yeah, so leverage has evolved, I would say. What do you think, Mart? Yeah, I think so, man. This has been quite insightful. We were thinking it'll be easy. Mons made the first <laughs> few uh, uh, leverage highlights where I'm three times my current size. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I found some archive footage from like 2015 and I might release it as well. Like Ashwin looks like a goddamn bear. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be happy to share the footage with you, but uh, it'll be like a fucking pain to look for it. No, 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 no. Don't don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But can you give us some something you've caught here yeah, over the years? One, come on. Uh-huh, for um, sure, man. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like I have time on my hands now, so yeah, I, I look. <laughs> <laughs> I look through some hard disks and uh, and definitely, you know, find some uh, find some good stuff that you can use. Okay, before we finish, um, prospects, MMA prospects that. Yeah, general public doesn't know, and you know of, and you think are up and coming. Oh shit! Fuck, you mentioned Kantaraj Agasa, right? I mean, like Kantaraj is all already. He's not a prospect. No, no, no I'm no, just saying. So, so not, not at that, that level. level. Yeah, he's a very established uh, yeah. fighter. I mean, for me, uh, the MFN three fight with Punyajit and uh, Mayank, Mayank definitely, you know. A very high-level fight, one of the best fights that I've seen all year, and uh, I definitely want to see those guys back on the pro card on the next one. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and they were like, they were like really um, evenly matched. Like, so I want to see. Oh, how did you judge that fight? I asked you this question uh, the morning after, and I'm going to ask you this question again. I mean, I don't remember now, but like. Must take the cross train t shirt off. But by the way, nice t shirt. Where did you get it? sick t shirt, yeah. This is some Desi brand only I found online. What? Yeah, yeah. They did the last style, but. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you judge the fight, yeah? I mean, close fight, man. What can I say? Give me numbers, man. I'm talking numbers. Uh, 2928. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> 2928 Punjabi. So unanimous, huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll have to rewatch the fight, but it was a damn close, close fight. Close fight. What, what, um, the thing is, they they both showcase great skill, but they were both very well rounded against each other. But like, if you Put up Mayank against uh, anybody else who's not as well-rounded as Punyaji. I see him finishing the fight. Mm-hmm. No doubts about that. So that's why I want to see him uh, fight somebody else this time. And I want to see Punyaji fight somebody else. Uh, hey, Mohit, you, you spoke to Mohit like a couple of weeks ago. Spoke to Mohit? Uh, Mayank, a couple of weeks ago. What's his mindset like right now? I haven't spoken to him in a while. So what's... I did a podcast, did a podcast with him a while, while back. back. And... He's kind of chilling, man. 
like even he is uh, he doesn't know but he's healed up i asked him if he wants to call someone out he wasn't particularly keen on that so someone wants to call him out i mean i know so many platforms now that you know these fighters used to uh, call each other out i mean for the casual fans i think a little bit of that spice is definitely required uh, yeah for sure so <laughs> unless you get behind people man like, like it's not going to make it interesting and that's, that's part of no but born gets front row seats so that you know no <laughs> for the trash talking yeah i don't get that trash talking surprisingly they are a lot more vocal when it comes to like facebook comments and shit like that instagram comments yeah of course you can hear the crickets <laughs> front row seats front row seats that you have i am surprised nobody has tried to just grapple him like just out grapple him like at his size no people have yeah i mean like that should just be the plan his grappling doesn't seem to be on point like bro he's slippery he takes your back <laughs> <laughs> right cool see that happen you see that happen yeah Yeah. Oh, I've seen the Renegade choke finish, man. Want please. Four submission finishes in season one of Super Fight League. Want please. So bad. <laughs> Against people who don't know how to defend chokes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so I don't. I don't mean to cause trouble, but I'm biased. We're, we're biased, man. Don't mind. It's not. Don't take it personally. <laughs> cool. Um, Ward, man. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Cheers, guys! Thank Anything you. you want to promote uh, before we finish? Yeah, shout, shout out to DCP Down. Thank you. Uh, not doing much on DCP Down. <laughs> 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 um, so most of the work that you know I've been doing over the last couple of years has been going straight to uh, you know the Super League and the MFN. So not much on DCP Down. Obviously, we'll be back uh, with more content when another amateur championship happens. That hasn't happened in a bit. and uh, yeah i mean support local mma support indian mma uh don't hate so much on the uh, the amateurs they're the getting there and yeah. only if we encourage them that the standard of mma is going to go up in the country so yeah, <laughs> yeah sure awesome cheers Thanks thank you so much for doing this okay we'll take us soon take care everybody good night